today begins in 1 Samuel chapter 24. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men. Okay, these are, this would be the best fighters out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. You can think CR. Now the king, now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. Saul chose for his CR, because there's lots of these big caves. Saul chose for a little privacy for his CR to um, choose the same place that David was hiding. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord spoke to you. Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do him as it seems good to you. Now notice, God's promise, God's promise reveals the heart. And you shall do to him as it seems good to you. In other words, David, you are choosing your future. David, I've anointed you to be king. But you need to choose your future. You, you need to decide how you're going to live. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put up my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them, did not permit them to attack Saul. So David had to persuade his men, because remember, Saul wanted to kill them too. David had to persuade the men who were with him. No, let's not destroy this man. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. Wow. David was humble. Wow. There was no arrogant rebellion. No arrogant rebellion in this man. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks you harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you into today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put up my hands against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Even though the anointing has lifted him, because the anointing had been upon him, David said, I'm not going to touch him. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason, no wrong or treason, no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you, and may the Lord avenge between against you, but my hand shall not be against you. Now here is a right attitude. Leave room for God. 
May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand will not be against you. Out of, as the proverb of the ancient says, out of the wicked come wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. So, David, you're going to be able to do what's in your heart, okay? David, whatever seems good to you, David, you're going to reveal your heart, not only to the king, but to the king's men that one day you will lead into battle, and to your men. Out of the wicked comes wickedness. David said, there's no wickedness in my heart. My hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you, and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. As soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. Wow. All the good David had done to Saul, and Saul repaid him evil for good. David repaid Saul's evil with good. As you have declared this day how you dealt with me, dealt well with me, in that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now behold, I know that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Saul always knew. Saul always knew. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me, and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Now notice, David didn't go back to Jerusalem. David didn't go back to where King Saul was based. David went to his stronghold. Okay, this is called wisdom. But I also want you to remember, you can take time and look up the verse and put it in here, where after he became king, he looked for one of the descendants of Saul that he could be gracious to. 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 1. Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him in his house at Ramah. Then David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Moan whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of that man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. She was discerning and beautiful. All right, so she was smart and beautiful. But the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite one of the descendants of Caleb. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men. And David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shearers. Now that your shepherds have been with us, we did them no harm. They missed nothing all the time while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we will come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son David. 
When David's young men came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David, in the name of David, and then they waited. And Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed from my shears and give it to men who come from I do not know where? So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. And David said to his men, Every man strap on his sword, and every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword. About 400 men went up after David, while 200 remained with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master. And he railed at them. Yet these men had been were very good to us. We suffered no harm. We did not miss anything while we were in the fields. As long as we went with them, they were protection. Remember, all the bandits, all the robbers, all the Philistines, okay? They were a wall to us by day and night. All the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now therefore know this and consider what you should do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his house. And he is such a worthless man that no one can speak to him. <laughs> worthless men do not accept counsel. Now that's one of those lists that you need to keep. How do you, a worthless man or a worthless woman, what are their character traits? This is one of those lists that you keep. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five seas of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on donkeys. She said to her young men, go on before me. Behold, I will come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. As she rode on the donkey and came down under the cover of the mountain, behold, David and his men came down toward her, and she met them. And David had said, Surely in vain I have guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him. And he has returned me evil for good. Now, this becomes quite a theme in the Old Testament about returning evil for good that people have done to you. God do so to the enemies of David and more also, if by morning... I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from her donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak to your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my lord regard this worthless fellow, Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. His name means foolish. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. Let them be foolish. Now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord. Wow. And evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. Now, I want you to get a hold of that. Why will God give you a sure house? Because you are fighting the battles of the Lord. <laughs> if men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living in the care of the Lord your God. 
and the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from a hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good he has spoken concerning you, and has appointed you prince, now notice David always considered himself prince, not king, appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause, or for my Lord working salvation for himself. Now notice, or for the Lord working salvation for himself. He said, David, you, this is not a thing that should be done. I know you're angry. I know that what Nabal, my husband, has done is wrong. But you don't want this in your future. When the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you, who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. In other words, leave it to God. Leave it to God. As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there would not have been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him, and he said to her, Go in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice and granted your petition. David listened. David listened. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. <laughs> so she told him nothing at all until morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, he's not drunk anymore. His wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. Now, God took care of it. God vindicated David. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord, who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Abel. God avenges insults, okay? God avenges insults. And has swept back his, kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. Then he sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife. She rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey, and her five young women attended her, and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and both of them became his wives. Saul had also given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was of Gelim. All right, let's open up our hearts. There's powerful stuff in here. We don't dare begin to teach it all. But let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship.
Our New Testament passage today picks up in John chapter 12, beginning with verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. So don't tell me that you believe in the Father when you don't believe in Jesus. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me, referring to the Father. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Does not receive my words, the word that I have spoken. What Jesus taught is what's going to judge us in the last day. For I have not spoken of my own authority. But the Father who has sent me himself has given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that this commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Jesus said, listen, I'm not speaking of my own initiative. John chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved who his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's sons, to betray him. So betrayal comes from Satan. And it is placed in the heart. Now, I want you to notice the heart of man, not the brain of man, the heart of man. That includes his thoughts, yes, but it also includes his emotions. Betrayal is not a thing of the head. Betrayal is a very emotional thing. So it's in the heart. So betrayal involves thoughts, logic, it involves emotions, it involves attitudes, everything that's part of the heart. That's where betrayal is placed by Satan. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God was going back to God, rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Now notice, knowing, number one, that the Father had given all things into his hands, number two, knowing that he had come from God, Number three, knowing that he was going back to God, he now rises to serve, to take the lowest place as a servant, washing the feet. Now, here is the three foundations of a heart of service. You have to know what God has given you. You have to know where you come from, and you have to know where you're going. Service cannot flow. Servanthood never flows from insecurity. Servanthood never flows from insecurity. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, 
What I'm doing, you do not understand now. But afterward, you will understand. All right, so some things, some things take time to understand. And you know, in my short life, I've discovered that there are things that God does, and I don't get it, but later on I do. So you learn to trust him. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except his feet, because he's been walking around in the streets with all the filth, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. Now, we need to back up and understand that when Jesus wanted to wash their feet, they were clean by the word he had spoken to them. You and I are clean. We're born again. But the Apostle John teaches us that we are to not say that we have no sin, that we we come to God. And Jesus teaches us that every day we say, Father, forgive us. Now, this is not living with a consciousness of sin. This is just understanding that as you walk through the streets, you see things you wouldn't have wished that you hadn't have seen. You hear things you wished you hadn't have heard. And maybe you even think some thoughts that you wish you hadn't have thought. You need your feet cleaned. This is the daily washing. Every day we come and we pray the Lord's Prayer. Lord, forgive me as I have forgiven those who have sinned against me. Forgive me, Lord. Every day. I I don't live with a consciousness of sin, but I live washing my feet every day. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. Okay? Serve. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are them if you do them. Okay, It's not enough to know truth. We must live truth. Now, he said, I've given you an example of servanthood. Now, you go serve. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I'm telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me, receives the one who sent me. Now, receives the one I send, receives me. Receives me, receives the one who sent me. Now, brothers and sisters, when a man or a woman of God comes to you, sent by God, not not a person in rebellion, but sent by God, when you receive them, you're receiving Jesus. And receiving Jesus, you're receiving the Father. Always be careful to honor those that God has honored. Amen? All right. A little bit more teaching out of Proverbs for a little bit of wisdom today. 
Proverbs chapter 24, beginning with verse 23. These also are the sayings of the wise. Partiality in judging is not good. Wow. So, well, they're my friend. No, right is right and wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter if they're your friend. Okay, partiality in judging. Say, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, no, they're my friend. I can't, I can't say it's wrong. They're my friend. Partiality in judging is not good. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by the peoples and abhorred by the nations. All right, so you, you can't look at the wicked and go, okay, you're rich, and so we're going to say you're right. Or you're poor, so we're going to say you're right. We, you can't say to the person who's done wrong that because of our relationship with you or because of how we feel about you, that changes right and wrong. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and good blessing will come upon them. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Now, whoever an honest answer is like the kiss of friendship. Honesty. True friends are honest. Okay, so hold on to that wisdom and just remember, you know, you can't use utang lang and think that, well, you know, I owe them, so I can't tell them that they're wrong. That's not true. That's not true. When someone expects you to change the principles of right and wrong because you are their friend, that's not a good thing. Let's just always be honest and truthful in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. We'll see you tonight back in the Book of Romans again on Disputable Matters. We'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock.